This is the Horse Radio Network. Hi, I'm Jessica Montgomery from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Kayla Benny, also from Ocala, Florida. Coincidentally, we are actually in the same house right now. And you are listening to the monthly breeding and horse sales episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for March 25th. This episode is brought to you by Supreme Top Form. Good morning, Horse World. Hey, you made it to the fourth Thursday of the month on Horses in the Morning. That means it's time to talk sales and breeding. (gasps) Uh, uh, Of horses, that is. And I'd like to welcome Jess back. She's co-hosting. And she's currently actually on her phone because we are having Skype issues. Um, So sorry about the sound quality, but we're here. We have arrived. (laughs) Thanks for having me, Kayla. (laughs) And uh, you you might know Jess from the eventing radio show way back a, a little while ago. And she's the better half of Clark Montgomery of Apex Equestrian. And we're going to get into a really action-packed show. We're joined by Becky Davis of Becky Davis Agent Incorporated and Roland Farm. We're going to chat about thoroughbred breeding and sales. And then we're going to switch gears only slightly to chat with five-star event rider Courtney Cooper about her two, yes, I did say two, sale barns, C-Square Farm, and Excel Star Sport Horses. And... I'm really excited to chat with the guests. How are you, Jess? I'm terrific. I can't believe we're so far into um, circuit this year. Uh, Florida feels like it's coming to a close. Your horses have been going brilliantly. I've been following you. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we we just did our first 130 with my eight-year-old that we imported last year. Um, it was his first 130, my first 130. Um, we got second place in our second 130. We were pretty good. We went fast. Hell we went yeah. clean. That, <laughs> that's so awesome. <laughs> it's so good. <laughs> I, was, I was pretty excited. I was, I'm not going to lie. I was, I was, I was trying to play it cool, but, um, jumper two's really small for us. We're almost 18 hands <laughs> and <laughs> Um, it's, it's a little hard cause you feel like you're slowing down everywhere and to be galloping in it and, you know, keeping pace and everything is, is not the easiest, but he's been such a super sport. We started off the season. Um, I think we started competing, uh, week two of the world equestrian center. Um, we are now currently on week 11 <laughs> for the listeners. It's, it's been, a <laughs> yes. minute. um, we started out doing a one ten. And we are hopefully, as of week 12, going to finish maybe doing a 135. We're not going to officially talk about it until it happens, but that <laughs> <laughs> that's where we're at. And then I also have another young horse that's kind of bopping around some 110s and jumping in the bigger venues, just very exciting. And, um, and he's super cool, too. So I, I'm just really excited this season has been spectacular for me and you guys have also been killing it. I think, uh, Clark won a 140 a couple weeks ago. 
Yeah, we did. We had a victory in the in a meter forty class, and then uh, in one of the meter forty classics. So we're kind of creeping our way up there, and just really enjoying it. It's so much fun, and the precision is no doubt quite difficult, as you well know, um, in the show jumping. But it's so rewarding and just a blast when it all goes right, as with anything in horses. So um, really enjoying it. Thanks. <laughs> That's so exciting. So we have some really exciting guests as well. Um, Becky Davis, I'm going to let the listeners in on a little secret. Her daughter actually rides with me. Um, I met them through Pony Club. Um, Her daughter, Allison, is 13. She's an amazing little rider. Um, They have a homebred that she's bringing along that's for Rising 5. That was actually... um, born dead. Um, so you, you guys will hear later on in the interview, Becky's dad and her brother are vets and they specialize in reproduction, but the daughter's foal that they kind of bred, they bred to one of their stallions. Um, and it was a, a, a little Connemara warm blood cross mare and the mare had complications the mayor actually ended up passing away, but the foal um, was actually born dead and they performed CPR and were able to bring the foal back to life. And I've had the pleasure of having the mayor in training a little bit, helping the kid bring the horse along. And it's a really special horse. So, uh, yeah. And her, um, her competition name is Heaven Can Wait which is <laughs> oh, that's so fitting. That is awesome. Yeah. What a cool story. Oh, and so um, I'm really excited to chat with her. And, uh, and then we have five-star event writer, Courtney Cooper, who's just super and does such a good job with sales. And I actually bought a horse from her. Um, we're not going to talk about how long ago it was because that might be dating <laughs> a little bit. But um, she does a super job very thorough stands behind the horses that she represents. And, um, I, I was pleased with my horse and I know other people that have been pleased. So I think it's something, if you're looking for horses, go visit Courtney's websites and yeah. So that's awesome. It sounds like a super show. And, but how's apex doing by the way, how are, how are your sales? Super. We actually have more horses coming in now because we've had so many go out. So that's always wonderful. Yeah. We just got a, a new horse in from France two days ago. That's lovely. Um, so yeah, it's just really fun. I'm surprised how quickly they all move and you know how one hand, you know, you talk to one person and they, they connect you with another person and this person's looking and lo and behold, they've it, it's gone before you know it. So <laughs> we, it all like happens very quickly. But <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> it's very so, good. How many competition horses does Clark have, or are they all for sale? All, all of the horses are for sale, uh, with the exception of uh, 
the two of the daughters in the family uh, have their competition horses and they are not for sale yet, should I say. <laughs> we right. kind of have a motto around that, that everything, you know, everything is there to um, be brought along and then sold um, as of when, the, you know, the time is right. And so um, they're gaining some really valuable experience right now and they're delighted to be able to. Um, but then, you know, those horses will be sold on and they'll step up and um, and, and get another horse um, that comes into the program that they get along with. And so they get that one sort of to compete for the next season or season and a half. And then, um, you know, they get, they get that experience out of that one and, and then we move it on and another one comes. So it's all exciting. It's nothing that, you know, I was ever raised with. I think we had every horse I ever owned until the end. <laughs> so, you know, this has been quite a change for me, needless to say. But, um, you know, it's it's really cool and it's fun to get the new horses in and assess them and, um, you know, and, and really come to know their personalities and figure out what they're going to be best suited for and, and the type of program, rider, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, try and place them in the proper hands always. I think that's what anybody that sells a horse is, you know, aiming for is that it goes on and has the right match and the right partnership. Absolutely. And I think you and I have a very similar model, like motto. I always say that everything's for sale for the right price. Um, Right. (laughs) But... (laughs) our our motions get the better of us and the price is a little bit higher um yeah (laughs) um yeah so that's so exciting and uh i met one of the girls actually um recently and the apex girls the daughter the the one daughter i met um is just fantastic they seem very up and so it's so exciting for you guys to be a part of the program what is your program like how does Clark vary his training does he do it horse to horse or does he have a kind of like a a system where he jumps two days a week three days a week flats the other days does he incorporate his eventing background or does he throw that all out the window and just goes full-blown jumper (laughs) right no I guess I mean we are much more individualized um than then I feel like we were more structured uh, when it came to the eventers where we knew certain days a week had to be fitness because you needed to allow, you know, several days in between your fitness and, you know, things like that. We're much more regimented with the eventing horses and um, with the show jumpers, it's a lot more feel. uh, And, you know, every horse is for us, every horse in the Stable schedule is a little bit different um, because some are showing, some we've just gotten in, so we're evaluating. So you're either preparing some for, you know, say a, a bit bigger class or something like that, and um, at which point they jump just a little bit at home, not not very much. Um, he does do a lot of hill work with the with the horses to make sure that they're strong enough. Um, and that their their fitness is good. It's been absolutely impressive how much fitness they need to jump these big tracks. I mean, I guess from afar, I would watch and it was only, what, 90 seconds tops of physical exertion or whatever, but it's like, you know, holding a car over your head and doing squats <laughs> for these horses. Right. They're just, you know, really, really giving it all their guts. And so I... Um, 
I think I initially underestimated it and was so surprised at the amount of fitness he was still doing with them. I mean, he's not doing gallop sets, but certainly just a lot of, you know, physical training for them. Um, he does ride some of the horses on the flat and his dressage saddle still um, not, you know, not turning them out for a dressage test by any stretch, but he does feel like it gives him um, a little bit better place to sit and, um, you know, just ride the horses through and deeper sometimes. So, yeah, I would say it's actually individualized for each horse. And um, that part of it's been really fun to have the time to kind of get to know them and then, you know, set them on their own schedules. I mean, that's how I kind of operate as well, you know, with my horses is everyone has their individual program and, and I actually do incorporate canter sets. I, I maybe, I wouldn't call them gallops, but right. We, we keep pace. Now we're not going to go advanced speed. We're not going to go intermediate, <laughs> speed, but like we might top out at like training level prelim speed. Um, just because I have, I, my bigger horse tends to be a little bit, he's not heavy, but like to get his cardio a little bit better, he needs to kind of do sprints. He needs to go forward. He needs to come back. He needs to listen. Um, and so that will help strengthen his core. And so, you know, I incorporate a little bit of my eventing background into that. He does a lot of trot sets. He goes hacking down the roads. He also gets a little bit home sour, I, I will say. Like, he loves to go to horse show. Like, you take him onto the horse show grounds. He's like, yes, it's all about me. I'm special. Um, but when he's at home, he gets a little dull. He's like, I don't want to be here. I don't want to do this. So we go trot setting down the roads. He sees new things all the time. And then he's happy. And then we go to the horse show. And he's like okay, I'm strong enough. And and we don't actually jump a lot at home because he gets bored. So we do a lot of the jumping in the ring, <laughs> um, which maybe is not recommended all the time, but um, it works for him where my, yeah. my younger horse, we, we jump a lot at home because he's very impressed with himself and he, <laughs> he's like, oh my God, I'm so amazing. I need to jump so high. And you're like, no, you don't put your feet back down. Uh, so we do a lot more at home, just training him to be smooth. And so it's very individualized, which is what I love about the jumpers because they, they tend to not have structure. I mean, they have structure, they have discipline, but it's in a different way. They, they accommodate the horse a little bit more, whatever they need to do to make the horse shine, which is pretty yeah. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, I think that that's been something for certainly for us to get to used to this year. And I feel for my um, in-laws because they're trying to follow sort of uh, everything that we're up to all the way from Texas. And they'll call me on the Monday or Tuesday of the show week and they'll say, what classes is Clark going to do this week so that they can follow along on the live feed, which is absolutely brilliant that they offer but it could ebb and flow. He might do two warm-up classes and then a big class or nothing and then the big class or two warm-up classes and then skip the big class and do that the next week instead and they're just calling going, what is the deal? Because they liked it so much better when they knew what level we were entered and what horse it was on and we were going to this event because yes. <laughs> all of the horses were going and it was just much less um, sort of 
all over the shop feeling, but certainly we enjoy the flexibility from our side. <laughs> I, I totally am in hundred percent agreeance. My husband will go on to uh, clip my horse tv.com and, and watch the little things. And he's like, when are you going to be on? And I'm like, I, I don't know. <laughs> I zero, zero idea. And, um, you know, I'm in this class and I might go at this time. I might go at that time. I'm, I'm going to get on. I'm going to warm up. I have zero idea. And he, so he'll like, he doesn't really want to watch. He's a typical horse husband. He doesn't want to watch anyone else. He wants to watch me. So I try to text him when I get on and, you know, but that doesn't always work. So a lot of the times I just send him the video afterwards and I'm like, you can go scroll through if you want, but here's the video. I'm sorry. Right. It was, I was busy. <laughs> right. So, great. Best get of intentions. I know best intentions, but eh. Supreme Top Form is a joint supplement, which is 99.8% pure glucosamine hydrochloride and 99% hyaluronic acid. Hyaluronic acid works by inhibiting the formation of inflammatory products in joints, which cause pain and cartilage destruction. Glucosamine is also shown to counteract the negative effects on cartilage of steroid administration. Glucosamine also serves as a building block for new cartilage formation. Glucosamine and hyaluronic acid do not cause significant side effects that non-steroidal anti-inflammatory agents may induce. It is concentrated and easy to feed, cost-effective, and it's independently lab-tested for purity, so you know what you get is what is on the label. They have both dog and horse supplements, which is great for any horse person. You don't see many horse people without a dog. Visit panamvetcorp.com for more information. So I'd like to welcome Becky Davis of Becky Davis Agent Incorporated and Roland Farm, which is in Warwick, Maryland. We're going to discuss some thoroughbred sales and breeding. Welcome to the show, Becky. Hi, Kayla. Thanks for having me. Tell us about Roland Farm. Okay, so a um, little history. First of all, my parents um, have been thoroughbred breeders for a very long time. My father's a reproductive veterinarian, which got him into the business. Um, and I've grown up my entire life um, raising thoroughbreds. And so it started um, with all of the business being at his home farm in Chestertown. Uh, but we got large enough and big enough, um, and his his sister and hus- uh, her husband, who is an orthopedic surgeon, wanted to move from Philadelphia and, and get a farm. So they kind of merged together and their resources and purchased the property that was part of the historical Winfields farm where the northern dancer used to stand. Um, that farm was split up, and they purchased a parcel uh, in Warwick and named it Roland Farm after their father, and that became um, the center of our breeding operation. So um, when the, both the pro- properties were being used, we still did most of the foaling and the delivering at my father's home farm in Chestertown and did then moved the horses up to Roland Farm, which was right next to Northeast Stallion Station, where a lot of the, uh, the main um, stallions in the Mid-Atlantic area uh, stood. And it was a close proximity. We literally can walk mares to the stallions if we need to. Um, so that, that property was used mainly for the breeding operation solely, but as things have 
moved on. My dad's gotten a little bit older. My younger brother um, is a resident veterinarian there and handles more of the deliveries now. So now all of the foaling and, and breeding um, is all located at the one spot in, in Roland Farm, at Roland Farm. And now how, wow. many, how many foals do you guys typically uh, foal out in a, in a year? Okay. So that um, has changed. It's changed quite a bit over the last probably five, 10 years with, with the industry really um, kind of going through a little bit of a lull and then having a resurgence because of the Maryland breeder bonuses that are offered um, through thoroughbred racing. But um, this year it looks like we're going to, we're going to deliver about, we have, we're on track for about 85 foals to be born. Um, last year was 80. The two prior years we were over a hundred at 110 and 130. So I know, I know in those years when we were in the hundreds, we were the largest foaling operation in the state of Maryland. Um, this year, there's uh, the farm right next door, North East Stallion Station, has closed up their Pennsylvania operation. They had two divisions. Um, the Pennsylvania division has closed and brought a lot more of their business back to Maryland. So I think they're going to be over the hundreds this year, and so they can the ones to be all crazy because <laughs> our crew was uh, it was a little much for over 100 foals is a little much to deal with you're talking about um foaling that volume of foals starting in um what january 1st february 1st mm-hmm. when does that start and when does that usually stop so normally uh what you hope for because of the way that the thoroughbred industry is lined up all yeah. foals turn you know the next year old consecutive years um, starting with January 1st. So we don't want anything born in December. <laughs> the breeding yeah, season exactly. usually starts in February. <laughs> and uh, hopefully foals are born between January and June. Um, and we've we've had foals born in July before, certainly, but um, you know, they're at an extreme disadvantage the following yeah. year and a half when their two-year-old's going to start racing and training and they're actually only you know, a year and a half old in January where, where they're competing against horses that are a full two years old yeah. and yeah. and the subsequent years, if it's not actually till they're three when they, but still same thing, they're, they're behind if they're, so many people try to have the early foals. Um, we're, we're all about trying to, you know, maintain industry standard, but also doing our own thing. And um, while we do have mares that are, um, we're programmed using artificial lighting to have them come into season early enough to be bred early enough to have early foals. Um, mm-hmm. We generally don't like delivering foals in January and February because it's not fun yeah. for the people. And it's not, you know, when we have ice storms and you can't really safely turn your horses out for good exercise, it's not something that we strive for. So um, certainly we do deliver foals in January. We do deliver foals in June, but it's really very concentrated from March to May. Wow. That's a lot of babies. <laughs> yeah. Wow, there was one year in April where we delivered over 52 foals in April. Oh. Alone. So no one that's slept. A lot of sleep. Yeah. I was going to say <laughs> no. no one slept. No. Everyone was flat out. <laughs> Typically, how many are actually your guys's foals compared to clients? Or does um, that change? I, I should have looked that up before you call. <laughs> um, I think that probably we have about um, a 25% full paying border um, ratio, you know, percentage. Uh, everything else is either 
is mostly partnerships. There's very rare number of horses, probably really, probably like maybe 5% that either my parents or myself own solely on our own. Um, the rest of them would be in partnerships of some sort. We have a main partner um, that's been with us for uh, over 30 years that owns 50% of of um, all the horses he's involved in. But we also have other smaller partners that can own anywhere from, you know, 5% to 20% of, a, of an animal. Um, so we yeah. do all sorts of different things depending on what people's interest and involvement is. Um, do the, do the mares typically just, live outside when they until they are getting closer, or what's their lifestyle like as they lead up to to being with you more? <laughs> so that is also very individual, uh, based on an individual case. We have some older mares. My father went through veterinary school and then um, did his did a master's in reproductive physiology and was a he's still an associate professor at New Bolton Center. Um, but he really focused his um, practice on reproduction. And so because of that, we get a lot of special cases, a lot of um, difficult broodmares with reproductive history problems uh, for anywhere from, you know, endocrine issues to just actual physiology um, issues to yeah. being crippled. And, you know, some of them, we've had some very expensive bloodline horses come in that have just physical ailments. And so they all have to be handled and treated differently. But our, um, our general program is that they live out 24 hours a day, 365 until, (laughs) until they're um, close to foaling. And what I mean by close to foaling is whether they are, um, you know, typical gestation is about 11 and a half months. So mm-hmm. about 10 and a half, between 10 and a half and 11 months, um, if they haven't had any other symptoms of being close, we have had mares deliver a 10 and a half months. So obviously if we see something right. that's developing an udder or dropping their belly, dropping weight off their hindquarters, shedding a lot, any of the signs that look like, um, you know, there's an impending uh, foaling, we'll bring them in earlier. But if not, and everything's going along normally and they're a healthy, sound animal, they stay out until they're 10 and a half to 11 months. Um, and then they will come into the barn, the foaling barn, which is a, we have a huge 24 stall barn that has a camera in every stall. We have a night watch person. We have several shifts and people, you know, cross over and shifts. Yeah. And basically they're watched for 24 hours a day. They're, uh, once they get to that state, they're in a large field that's very close to the barn. So the day crew, everyone on the farm at all times can see this this one particular field. And we yeah. will have anywhere from 10 to 20 horses in that field a day. Um, and they, it's the only field that really has a dynamic herd um, because as they fold, they're pulled out of that group. And as they get closer, they're added to that group. Um, otherwise, you know, I sort of base our little, we have several, you know, 20 and 30 acre fields that have groups of seven to 10 mares that move sort of in a pattern closer to that field and that watch field, depending on their, their status. So, um, Mm -hmm. and even at my father's farm in Chestertown, where it all started, he'll, he still has like the last five mares due this year are still at his farm with him. Um, and they will travel up to the, that farm as we kind of rotate things through. So we had two foals delivered last night, uh, one of which 
I expected it was going to be soon and one I didn't expect it was being, she's being watched. She was under a camera, but it, in my mind, I knew which ones were going to be next and which ones were moved. We also have another 24 stall barn that is um, not adjacent, but fairly close. There's several paddocks in between them. And then once the mares deliver, they'll stay in the foaling barn and under watch of night watch for about two weeks. And then they get their temperature taken every day. Um, they're monitored closely for any potential illness and that they're nursing and growing and thriving properly. The mare's health and the foal's health is normal. And then they'll move over to the other barn where they are just cared for by the, the main day crew. And um, once that happens, you know, we have to figure on paddocks and moves. And there's a lot of, we have two stallions on the farm. So there's a lot of um, oh, Lord. intricacies that <laughs> we have to work out about yeah. not having them close to the stallions yeah. when they're starting to cycle again. Um, yeah. yeah. Making them crazy. Yeah. So, are you doing a lot of the same mares year after year, or is there a lot of new faces? And and when you do see the same ones, are they is there a real pattern to like normalcy for them as they deliver, or is every is, is every year different for each mare? Uh, very. Um, they're actually yes. I, I'm really glad that we have a lot of the same mares. Um, we have. Mm-hmm not only the same mares, but generations of the same mares. Um, wow. Funny enough, even sometimes our clients end up, I have had, I have two mares right now that are maiden mares. It's going to be their first soul that we raised and sold as babies. And oh, wow. the clients that bought them, um, you know, raced them, kept them, decided to breed them and sent them back to us. So it's kind of exciting and fun when we get something back that was ours, <clears throat> um, a long time ago and and we still own the mom you know so we they're they're literally um we have one mare on the farm that has uh i was starting to count this up the other day because i was going to quiz my crew um we have two of her daughters and then um we're actually one of her sons is a stallion next door and he's breeding and so and he's had two foals born this year so she actually has grandchildren on both sides from, from her son and her daughters. <laughs> um, and it's fun to have, um, you know, to have families because there actually are patterns that we can follow. And I do keep really, really detailed records. So I, ha- I have, you know, I know there's a lot of technology, <clears throat> but we have literally three and four inch thick notebooks at the farm that have records of foldings from every year yeah. since I think 2000. Um, and they're organized by year, by falling year, but also by um, alphabetically by mayor, by Dan's name. And so someone like the night crew, it's it's sort of for reference, but it's also just for kicks sometimes because we get real creative with our descriptions of fallings and <laughs> try to make it as fun as possible. And um, so literally a night crew person could sit there and look up, you know, a mayor under her name, flip to it and see five to 10 years worth of records on her foaling history. And a lot of times um, there's definitely patterns as far as ease or difficulty of delivery, but also um, time of day, uh, whether they, whether they developed like a normal udder with ample milk ahead of time or not. Um, We have one particular mare that just loves to wait until the morning. She waits till you kick her out and about between eight and 10 o'clock, every one of her in the morning, Every one of her foals have been born. Um, oh my so out, out, and then she always starts out in the field. Like you, it's just almost like you might as well just turn around and watch because she's not going to start <laughs> in the, in the stall. Um, 
So yeah, brilliant. there are definitely patterns for sure. And it's, it's neat to, to follow that. Cause I like to, I like now, that kind of stuff. <laughs> now when you're following them, like, is there an age that you can start to see potential or like, do you know when they're like special from the beginning? Um, as you, far as the babies go, you mean? Yeah. Like see, like, do you see potential in them or is it something that is learned on the track and you have to send them to training? You know what? I, I actually love that question because, um, as I, you introduced me as, you know, my, with my sales company too. And it's something that I can't explain to people very well. Um, when they're coming to look at a sales horse, that's a year old and all they're doing is watching them walk on, you know, walk a, a straight line away and a straight line back and maybe watching them with show horses. It's usually trotting on a lunge line, but here, you know, with us, they just literally walk up and down the line. <clears throat> um, and they stand and look at their confirmation and look at their body and, you know, and you try to pick out the next racehorse on their athletic build and maybe catching a little bit of their personality, but there is nothing like being able to watch a foal when they're two days old with their crooked legs, um, that they haven't even really stretched out yet from being all folded up inside and watching that foal just tear around in big circles around its mother, as opposed to the other one who's gorgeous, but doesn't seem to have a desire to move. Um, I really think we can tell from a couple weeks old and I, and actually we make notes on that. <laughs> I mean, I, I keep track of, you know, their activity levels and, um, and even when they're getting older, like the groups of yearlings that we have, I mean, I've, you can walk out in the field and see the ones that are bullying the other ones that are pushing the other ones around for feed that just constantly want to take off running from you, but then they come right back up to you because they're so bold. They're not scared. Um, all of that kind of thing you can definitely see patterns of from from very early on. Well, Becky, it's just been wonderful to talk to you and hear about the inside of your life and everything, all the busyness that you're constantly up to. We're grateful for your time this evening. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So Becky is super interesting, and that amount of horses to be fold out is unreal. No doubt. Becky is the busiest lady I know. That is an enormous amount of responsibility, but she obviously shoulders it so well. What a cool interview that was and enlightening for sure. I, well, I learned a lot and I think we're going to learn a lot with the next guest. So we're going to get over to Courtney Cooper next. And uh, I'm super excited to hear what she has to say about importing and breeding and all of the things that she also shoulders. I mean, these are incredible women in the horse world. So I'm really excited to introduce our next guest. We have Courtney Cooper of C Square Farm and Excel Star Sport Horses on to talk about some sales. She also does some breeding. So we're going to touch on both subjects and welcome to the show, Courtney. Thank you for having me. And uh, I also wanted to preface, you are a five-star event rider. And I am on one of your homebreds, correct? Correct. On our first homebred, actually, it was quite um, an amazing journey with him. That's so special. So, and that was um, Tag. And what was his show? Tag is who's a star? Who's a star? Right. All the stars. And hmm. <laughs> so, tell us about your business. Um, I noticed when I was doing a little research that you have your C Square Farm. 
And yep. you also have Excel Star Sport Horses. So can you right. differentiate both of those for us? So, yeah, sure. So um, I have um, always had a domestic sort of business, and that's been C-Square Farm, and that is my training and teaching and breeding, and then also consignment sales services here in the U.S. Um, a lot of people will send me horses to sell, um, amateurs who have um, busy lives with careers and work and family, and then um, parents of juniors who shouldn't probably be selling horses, and then other professionals have sent me their horses as well. So I sort of handle a lot of different um, types of sales and different types of horses um, domestically. So that's through C-Square Farm. And then um, the Excel Star Sport Horses is a offshoot of my business in Ireland, and I've been importing horses from Ireland uh, for over 25 years. And uh, several years ago, met my partners over there, and we hit it off. And the thing is, all of us have sold lots and lots of horses, but we've never sort of branded them. And so we came up with um, Excel being them and Star being me because I'm well known in uh, the eventing circles that all my homebreds have the word Star in them. So um, if you see me on a horse named Excel Star, it's an imported horse. Usually, um, it's come, it's always come through my partners in Ireland, and most times it's an Irish horse. But sometimes uh, it's a horse that we source through England or Holland or Belgium, um, but it's always come through them in Ireland. And so that's sort of the Excel Star brand um, and what we do there. Fantastic. And so when you have consignment horses, what sort of your, like, how do you run the consignment part of, of your sales? So for me, it's really important to know the horses that I'm selling. And so I like to live with them. Um, and so the horses come in and they're put into training board, um, here at the farm and they get ridden six days a week and they're treated just like one of my own personal horses. And so, you know, if we need to work them and do some groundwork, we do that. If they need, um, to do flat work three days a week, they do that. If they need, um, to go cross country school, whatever they need, we try to give them. Um, and so the horses come in, um, and we live with them and we put them sort of through the gauntlet. And um, with me, I also have my working students and the girls who work for me, my staff ride the horses. And I actually think that's really important because it gives me an indication of what the horses are going to be like. Um, you know, if they're going to be ridden by juniors or amateurs or um, other than a professional, because a lot of times, you know, that's my market. I do sell to professionals, but I sell primarily to juniors, young riders and amateurs. And so it's always helpful for me to see the working students ride them. Um, I will usually do the primary jumping work when the horse gets here so that, you know, I can evaluate them. But I do like to see, you know, what they do with other people. Um, they react. Yeah, just how they'll react. And, you know, usually I have three or four young ladies working with me and um, they all have different skill sets. And so sometimes the horse will be better for one horse than the other. Um, but in terms of the consignment sales or any sales that I do, my big deal is that I always want people to be happy with the horse they bought me, uh, bought for me. And so 
to that end, I am very big on disclosure and transparency and having people know everything about the horse because ultimately in one or two visits, you're not going to know everything. But if someone has had the opportunity to talk to someone who's lived with the horse, a lot of times, you know, there have been insights that you can gain or in talking to the owner, like when they send me the horse, I can also gain insights and, and be able to relay that information. So that's, that's why I do consignment sales. Um, and I like the horses to live with me, um, type of deal. And so do you typically take horses on, uh, like per season and move them on quite quickly? I know that that can vary, um, you know, from horse to horse also, but what's, an average time frame that that you have something in to sell? Well, um, in general, the horses that come to me on consignment are sold in 45 days. That's been our average for the last uh, 15 years. We've kept records and um, we can show anybody who's interested in consignment with us those records. But um, in average, it's 45 days. Now, we just had a horse that we got in. 10 days ago when the first person who looked at it bought the horse um, because it was quite a nice horse and it um, just needed a different situation. And so that horse got sold very quickly. So, you know, there's some that take me a little bit longer. There's some that take a little bit shorter, um, but that's sort of because we've been keeping records for so long, you know, I can say, oh, this is what we do. Um, and we also sell, you know, 50, 60 horses a year. And because of that, you know, we're able to also have a network of professionals and buyers and people will call me and say, look, can you keep, can you keep me on your list so that if you get this type of horse, uh, you can give me a ring. So a lot of times the horses don't even get advertised um, until after the pact. Um, And we try to, we do try to keep our question (laughs) is how how many horses do you sell in a phone call with now with such a, such a great reputation and, you know, people know that, that you know what you're looking for and what you're talking about. Is Do you find the same thing um, with the European horses or, or more so or less? Well, so um, the great thing about the partners that I have in Ireland, I think it's always uh, critical to deal with people who view animals the same way you do and are also very transparent. And um, that is what I found with my partners over there. And so you know, all of us have had the experience of going to look at an animal and someone saying, oh, it's ABC and you show up and it is XYZ. And you're like, this is not at all what um, this animal was told it would be to me. And so it's very hard to to market something like that. Whereas my partners overseas are very good and they will tell me, you know, this horse is ABC and DEF and it comes and it is exactly um, what I think it is. And so that's really great. And um, we actually have just um, hit a pretty big milestone. We, um, this week I bought my hundredth horses, um, hundredth horse from them. Um, so that was pretty exciting. Um, Congratulations. And thank you very much. And uh and the other thing we do with the imports, um, because of COVID, a lot of people have been um, purchasing horses off of videos. And so, yeah. you know, we stand behind the horses. And because we import a lot of horses, you know, if someone buys a horse from us and they're not happy, we try to make it right, um, be it reselling the horse for them, 
swapping the horse out with a another horse that might be more appropriate, um, you know, we're doing whatever we can do. And um, we've only had to do that um, three or four times out of the hundred. Um, so we pre- wow. feel pretty confident in the matches that we're making. So That's we're pretty excited about fantastic. it. I mean, yeah. So do you guys vet the horses prior to importing them? Yes, they are vetted um, to the nth degree, actually. Um, they are, uh, they have a normal pre-purchase exam, hard, soft surfaces. Um, they are flexed. They are um, lunch. They have a neurological exam. Uh, they're scoped. And then they also have a riding exam. And so we do all of that. And then um, we take x-rays and we take um, over 45 x-rays in general. And so um, we have a really good sense that once the horses get here, you know, that those x-rays are sent to my sports medicine vet here um, and she reviews them. And so if they get to get on the plane, we're very confident of their soundness and and their health in the x-rays. That's fantastic. It's like American Idol for horses. <laughs> They've got to go through sort of. all the stages just to get you to the You've got to go final. through all the steps, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> fantastic. And how many horses do you have there with you? You're in Aiken for the winter, is that correct? We're in Aiken for the winter. Um, right now we have, I think, 28 or 29. Um, mm-hmm. We had a high of 39, but we sold a bunch of horses. Um, and so now, you know, a lot of people are headed home and, um, we sold a bunch of horses and, um, we had several coming on a plane, um, on the 30th and, um, a couple of those have already been sold. So right now we're sort of at at 28 and 29, somewhere in there, but we love having, we love having the babies. And so now my husband, who is not a fan of the breeding operation, he actually takes care of the babies and that's sort of his deal. He also actually um is competing um who's the star now he's retired from the upper levels and uh he's competing in novice and may move up to training uh this year and uh but he is he is the um in charge of all the foals and the the babies and the yearlings and actually last year i stayed in aiken through the end of june because of covid and the ability to do a little bit more in the south and he actually um burst out fold out two of the mares and had um, um, two of the foals himself, which was pretty exciting, actually. Well, fantastic. Well, where can we find you if people want to go look for horses for sale or um, creep on your foals? Um, So I'm on Facebook. I have um, three pages on Facebook. I have uh, my personal page, which is Courtney Cooper. Um, I have a business page, which is Courtney Cooper, comma, C-Square Farm. And then we also have an Excel Star Sport Horses page. Um, we also have a website, csquarefarm.com and um, excelstarsporthorses.com. And then we also have two Instagram accounts, one for C-Square Farm and one for Excel Star Sport Horses. Yeah, so we do, we do all the things. And then um, we also have a, a weekly Facebook Live um, on Tuesday at noon called Training Tip Tuesday. That's also on YouTube um, if people want to tune into that because a lot of people enjoy that and sort of it's a, a different sort of thing that we do every week. That's awesome. I, I love how active you are on social media and being able to keep up with everything and 
thank you so much for coming on. It's, this has been great. No worries. Not, a, not at all. If I could ever be of any help, let me know. And uh, we'll go from there. Thank you very much for having me. So we've had two amazing guests, both women that have multiple things going on. They're just incredible. I'm in awe. I mean, I, I knew when you called to say, can you co-host again this week? And you told me who was going to be on and the topics we were covering. I thought, well, I'm super interested in that. I'd love to join. <laughs> so I'm really grateful for you having me on again. I really appreciate all the information that the women shared today. I mean, I really am impressed by all that they do and grateful that they do it. And what, and what a shining example of what you can be, frankly, in the horse world. Absolutely. And thank you so much for co-hosting again. You always ask the best questions. Where can we find you at? Uh, you can find me at Jess Montgomery on, oh, no, I'm sorry. I'm Jess Monty on Instagram and uh, Clark Monty on Instagram, as well as apexequestrian.com. Fantastic. And you can find me. I'm Kayla Benny. Um, Selkuth Sport Horses that that is S-E-L-C-O-U-T-H, Sport Horses. Um, SelkuthSportHorses.com. I also have a TikTok. It's embarrassing. Don't go. But um, you can also find the link to today's guests and show notes on HorsesInTheMorning.com. You can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search Horses in the Morning. You can also have all the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with the free Android and iPhone app. Just go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. And I'd like to thank the title sponsor who has stuck with us for over a year now, Supreme Top Form. And thank you, Jess, for co-hosting again. It's just amazing. And Thanks so much for having me, Kayla. It's been fun. Yeah, I'm just so excited. And remember, riding, like life, doesn't need to be perfect to be wonderful. Give your horse a pat after every ride. 